listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Let's jump into it because I have uh, quite a lot to talk about. And uh, I, want, I want to give these things to you guys. Um, but I want to answer these controversial questions regarding speaking in tongues. And uh, if you guys have questions as, as this teaching is going on today, just pop it into the comments section and let me, uh, let me see it. Because I want to do my best to not only teach these things, but answer some questions if you have them. Uh, because this is something we need to understand as believers. Speaking in tongues, being filled with the Holy Spirit vitally, vitally important for the believer. It was Jesus' desire for his New Testament church for them to be filled with the Holy Ghost. So let's actually just jump right in because that kind of leads us right to the first question, which is this. um, Is speaking in tongues something for every believer to receive or is it just for those whom God sovereignly chooses, you know, in his divine plan? Uh, What is it? Is it for everybody or is it only for a select number of believers? That's a very important question. And um, I want to answer that question by taking you uh, in the word to where Jesus is speaking uh, at the end of the gospel of Luke. And he tells them, he's telling his followers to go and to tarry or wait in Jerusalem until you're filled with power from on high. That's Jesus' command. Go and wait in Jerusalem until you're filled with power from on high. Now, one of the things that's very important that we, that we get about this is that Jesus prophesied multiple times that he was going to send the Holy Spirit. And he's telling them that when he sends, of course, if you were to go to the Gospel of John, which we'll go there now, we could go to the Gospel of John. You could even go to the 14th chapter. And you can see that Jesus begins to promise us the Holy Spirit. And uh, listen to what he says in John 14, uh, 15. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. For he dwells with you and will, will be in you, will be in you. That's, that's prophesying towards the day of Pentecost, will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you'll see me because I live. You also will live. Now let's jump over real quick to the 16th chapter of the gospel of John. Just two chapters over. Um, look at this. The Bible says, now let, let, me, let me start reading with um, the fourth verse. Uh, Jesus says, I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. Verse five, but now I'm going to him who sent me and none of you asked me, where are you going? But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. You see that? It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, that's the Holy Ghost, will not come to you. But if I go, 
I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe in me, concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you'll see me no longer, concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Now look at these two two awesome verses here. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Look at verse 13. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will lead you and guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but what does it say? Whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He'll glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So the Holy Spirit, Jesus prophesied that the Holy Spirit was coming to his people, not just to be with them, to be in them. That's a very important distinction. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit just came upon people, but in the New Testament, he dwells within us. He is in us. And so I want you to catch this with me today. Very, very important. And, uh, and Jesus, is, um, Jesus is promising that he will send us the Holy Ghost. And that prophecy came to pass on the day of Pentecost. Now look at this. Um, I'll look at uh, Luke chapter 24, and let's look at verse 49. And behold... I am sending the promise of my father upon you, but stay in the city, which is Jerusalem, until you are clothed with power from on high, clothed with power from on high. So Jesus instructing his followers here, and by the way, if you haven't taken a minute to share, share the broadcast, very important broadcast today. Jesus is telling them, don't do anything else. Don't preach, don't pray, don't cast out devils, don't do anything else until you are clothed with power from on high. That was a command for all of his followers. You go to uh, Acts chapter one and you know that they quote the words of Jesus. And Jesus said in verse eight of Acts chapter one, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so Jesus is telling them that when the Holy Ghost comes upon them, they will be filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, if you think that the Holy Ghost was only for the 12 apostles of the Lamb, one of whom was already dead because Judas betrayed Jesus and then hung himself, so only 11 are left. If you believe it was only for them, then what were the other people in the upper room doing there? If it was just for the apostles, why were there others? Let's just say there were only supposed to be 11. Well, for some reason, we have 109 other people that just showed up in the upper room. Well, of course, of course, because it's not just for the apostles, it's for everybody. It's for everybody, and I'll show you that in a moment. But the first question we're asking is, is speaking in tongues something for every believer to experience or just for those that God sovereignly picks and chooses? Now, we know that 120 people showed up in the upper room. Some of Jesus' followers didn't even show. They didn't even desire the Holy Spirit. How do I know that? Well, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15 That Jesus, after his resurrection, he showed himself to over 500 of his followers at one time. 1 Corinthians 15. 
over 500 of his followers at one time. Well, that shows you he had more than 120 followers. There were more than 120 who believed in Jesus. However, all of them did not show up and obey his command to go and wait in Jerusalem. 120 of them did. But look at this. When the day of Pentecost came, Acts chapter 2, did you notice that everyone who obeyed the command of Christ to wait for the Holy Spirit, all of them got it. You didn't have an upper room experience where, well, there's 120 in attendance, but only 47 of them were actually filled with the Holy Spirit. That would be a different kind of story. That would be a completely different kind of story if what we saw in the text was, well, only a portion of them received it in the upper room. Then we could make an argument, well, maybe it's not for every believer because there God picked and chose uh, which of his believers would get it. That's not the case. Every believer that was in the upper room, which means they were there by faith, and everything we receive from God must be received by faith. They were there to receive the promise that Jesus prophesied, the Holy Ghost. And every single one of them got filled with the Holy Ghost. And what did they do? They all began to speak with other tongues and prophesy. You look at what happened on that day of Pentecost. It was a sign and a wonder uh, to show God's intent for his New Testament church, that they be filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And so you see it there as a picture. God's showing us. He's pointing it out to us that his desire for a New Testament church is a group of believers that are baptized in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And so we can clearly see, and I'll show you from, uh, I'll, sh- I'll show you um, as I go on to this next question, I'll show you that no matter where you look in the book of Acts, that this was the case. This was the case. It was not only God's desire, the apostles understood that it was God's desire. And they acted in such a way that they were carrying out that desire as people were getting saved. Look at this. So we're declaring speaking in tongues is for everybody, not just select believers. But I'll also further uh, answer that while we answer the second question. Here's the second question. Is speaking in tongues the initial sign and proof of being filled with the Holy Spirit? Or can you be filled with the Holy Spirit without the ability to speak in tongues? Can you be filled with the Spirit without the ability to speak in tongues? Well, according to the scriptural evidence we have, speaking in tongues is the initial evidence and sign of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let's look at the the passages that we have in the book of Acts. Number one is Acts chapter two. As soon as the believers were filled with the Holy Ghost, they all began to speak with other tongues. Go on further, and I'll come back to Acts chapter 8, but let's go to Acts chapter 10. In Acts chapter 10, Peter is in the house of Cornelius, and he's preaching the gospel to the Gentiles. And the Bible tells us that while he's preaching, they begin to speak with other tongues and prophesy. And the Jews turn around and say, this is exactly what we got. They recognized that what the Gentiles were receiving in that moment was the exact same thing 
that they received in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. And so God's vision and his prophecy to Peter came true that it's not just for the Jews, but the gospel is for the Gentiles. And they didn't just receive salvation in that house. They received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And so in Acts chapter 10, the sign that they had been filled with the Holy Ghost and the Jews there that were in attendance of the meeting, they all recognized that they were filled with the Holy Ghost because they heard them speaking with other tongues. Let's actually go there. Acts chapter 10. I want you to see this. Acts chapter 10, uh, the Gentiles hear the good news. And um, I want you to see this with me. Let's go to verse 44. Now, Peter's in the house preaching a message. This is Acts 10, 44. And while Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all, not some, all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised, that's the Jews, who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. Verse 46, this is the proof. Because or for they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. And then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? Look at the proof that they were filled with the Holy Ghost. It's the 46th verse. They knew they had received it for they heard them speaking in tongues and extolling God. So even the Jews, even the apostles, uh, even the Christians uh, from the early church recognized that was the sign that someone was filled with the Holy Ghost as they heard them speaking in tongues. It was the sign. It's still the sign today. Still the sign today. Uh, Now let's go on. I'll show you another passage in the book of Acts. Go to Acts 19. Acts chapter 19. And uh, let's go to verse number one. Paul is traveling and finds himself in Ephesus, which is modern day Turkey. And the Bible says, let's start with verse one. And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples. Now catch what happens in this story. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, well, no. We've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, well, then what baptism were you baptized into? And they said, John's. And he said, well, that's that's just water baptism, the baptism of repentance. And upon hearing this, they were baptized in the name of Jesus. And look at verse 6. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. So here's a third evidence that as soon as somebody was saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, they begin to speak with other tongues and prophesy. It's the initial sign and evidence that someone is filled or baptized in the Holy Spirit. Um, I want to I want to go on further because this is very um, this is a very interesting thought. This is a very interesting question. I should say. Um. If you can't know the mind of God in that you're not God, you see what I mean? 
If the first question is, well, it's only for some believers. You know, the Holy Ghost is just for some believers. If that's true, then how did Paul know that these 12 men were the 12 that God desired to have the Holy Spirit? Why did he just, first thing after being saved, why did he just immediately lay his hands on all 12 of them and command them to be filled with the Holy Ghost? Why? Why? If he, didn't, if he couldn't know, if he didn't know, why would he just presume that these 12 men were, the, were ones to be filled with the Holy Spirit? In the same way, Acts chapter 10, as Peter's preaching, the whole house is filled with the Holy Ghost. So let's just see what we know so far. Acts chapter 2, everyone there was filled with the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 10, everyone there was filled with the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 19, Everyone there was filled with the Holy Ghost. No one was left out in any of these passages. It is God's desire that every believer be filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, here's a very interesting passage. Go back to Acts chapter 8. And this is an interesting passage because of the way that it actually transpires. Um, There was extreme persecution in Jerusalem after the early church was Uh, formed, and they began to do the works of Christ. And of course, we know right off the bat, Peter and John got persecuted for healing the lame man and preaching in the name of Jesus. They were reprimanded and told never to do it again. But then look at this. Because of the extreme persecution, uh, they began to disperse from the city. And Philip ended up going to Samaria. And, And watch this. Good morning, Brian, Nicole, Alan Hawes. Love you, Kristen. Good to have you on today. Um, Philip goes to the city of Samaria and starts to preach Christ unto them. And the Bible says signs, wonders, miracles took place. He cast out many demons. There was great joy in the city. Now, here's an interesting thought. And you go to verse 14 of John uh, of Acts 8. Look at this. Now, when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them. Peter and John. Why? Who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, let me stop there for a second. Listen to this. For those that argue, and there are people that argue this, a lot of people. Well, no, you you get the Holy Spirit when you get saved. You know, and they argue that there's no other experience after salvation that's needed. You get the Holy Spirit when you get saved. Here's an entire city full of people that had just gotten saved. And the Bible clearly tells us in verse 16, the Holy Spirit had not yet fallen on any of them. Not one, not one, which completely debunks the thought that everybody who's saved automatically is filled with the Holy Ghost. That's not the case. It's not the case. It's a subsequent experience to salvation. Now, can it happen at the time of salvation? Yes. That's what happened in uh, Cornelius' house in Acts chapter 10. They didn't just believe the gospel. They weren't just saved. But at the same time, even before hands were laid on them, while they were still hearing the word, they were baptized in the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues and extol God. 
So you understand this, that here's a whole city of people that were saved, converted, and not yet filled with the Holy Ghost. You see that Alan's making a great point. Even the disciples were saved first and received the Holy Ghost later. Exactly. It's a subsequent experience. It's a subsequent experience. Comes after salvation. And look at verse 17. And then Peter and John laid their hands on them. That's all the people of Samaria who were converted. And they received the Holy Spirit. Now, think about this. Very interesting thought here. This is the only passage in Acts that we have that, that, that shows us people being filled with the Holy Spirit where it doesn't tell us directly that they spoke with other tongues. However, it, it implies it strongly, and I'll show it to you. Keep reading past where it says they received the Holy Spirit. Look at this. Now, when Simon the sorcerer saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, give me this power also, so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Stop right there. Stop right there. How did Simon know that these believers had been filled with the Holy Ghost? Isn't that an inward work? Isn't that an unseen inward work of God? To fill someone with his spirit? Of course it is. So how did Simon see and confirm that it was happening or that it had happened? There must have been outward evidence that these people had been filled with the Holy Ghost. It was not just an inward work on that day in Samaria. There must have been an outward evidence of their inner baptism. And I believe it was speaking in tongues. And Simon immediately saw it. As soon as Peter and John laid their hands on the the new believers, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And Simon could see it. He could clearly see it. And I believe that that was speaking in tongues. You have to compare scripture with scripture. If you're going to be uh, honest in your uh, interpretation of Bible doctrines. You can't just take one passage and say, well, see here, the Bible doesn't tell us that you got to compare it. We have three evidences of the initial sign. And this one strongly implies what the other three say clearly. And so I want you to understand this. Now there's a question here. Let me get this question. Kristen says, does that mean you haven't really been baptized in the Holy spirit or does it mean something is going on in their lives that is preventing them from activating it? Uh, no, Christian, if you are, what if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, but you still have not spoken in tongues? Then the answer is you've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit. You can be saved and not be baptized in the Holy Ghost. But the, the sign that you have been, the initial evidence, the initial sign that you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit and received the power of God is that you speak in tongues. The Bible is very clear on that. And so it, 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 it doesn't mean you've not yet activated it. It comes upon you. It's an impartation of God that comes upon your life. And so I want you to understand that. And it's important to desire these things. We're to desire spiritual things and spiritual gifts. We're not to ever despise them. We're to desire them. 
And that's why, you know, if you hear me on here harping about making sure you go to a church that is Pentecostal, that believes in the Holy Ghost, that believes in signs, wonders, miracles, it's important to go to a church that is willing to lay their hands on believers and have them filled with the Holy Spirit. That's it. It's the standard, not the exception. That's right, Joel. It's the standard. You see it throughout the book of Acts. And then later, Paul the Apostle affirms speaking in tongues and talks about it. And in, obviously, in, and we'll get to this question. In fact, let's just transition to it because it's a great question. So to answer the first question, uh, is speaking in tongues for every believer? The answer is yes. Because every place we have in the scripture of people being filled with the Holy Ghost, the answer is yes. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Every last one of them. The upper room, Cornelius's house, the men in Ephesus, those in Samaria, all filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen, Kristen. And you will receive it. You will receive it when you get there. I believe with you. And um, Kristen, Kristen Redding is saying we're all filled with the Holy Spirit when we become followers of the Lord. But there's a difference between the Holy Spirit and being baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit, which is what this is teaching. This is all these passages in the book of Acts. It makes a distinction between salvation and the baptism in the Holy Spirit. They're not the same thing. They're two different experiences. And the Bible clearly teaches that they're two different experiences. And you can see that here in Acts chapter 8 and verse 46 or excuse me, on verse verse uh, 16. For they were all saved, and the Holy Spirit had not yet fallen on any of them, but they'd only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So they were saved, and the Holy Spirit had not fallen on any of them, the Bible says. So they're two different experiences. So is Holy Spirit baptism and speaking in tongues for every believer? Yes, it is. It's available for every believer. Number two, is speaking in tongues the initial sign of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, or can you be filled and not speak in tongues? No, it is the initial sign and evidence that you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Uh, let's let's go on further because this is a very important uh, topic as well. This is a, this is a place of disagreement for many people. Uh, and, and this is what the Baptists would argue, but this is a big one. And I want you to hear me very clearly on this. Here's the third question I want to ask. Is speaking in tongues a heavenly language or is it the supernatural ability to speak a foreign language for the purpose of evangelism? Now, this is an argument that's made often. It's a common argument. Is speaking in tongues a heavenly language or is it the, a supernatural ability to speak a foreign language for the purpose of salvation. All right, let's go to Acts chapter 2 because this is where it is argued that it's a foreign language. And we know that on the day of Pentecost, uh, very interesting here, on the day of Pentecost, the Bible says all 120 in the upper room got filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now look at verse 5. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men 
from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one of them, catch this, was hearing all of them. This is a big point. It's important that you get this. Each one of them, this is the ESV, catch this. Each one of the devout Jews was hearing all of the believers speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? So first of all, the first thing that's very important that you catch about Acts chapter 2 It's not that 120 believers were speaking 120 languages. I want you to see what God did on this day. The reason I want you to see it is because this is the first time it ever happened. And anytime God does something for the first time, he's setting a precedent. He's showing you what he wants to be done. The Bible's telling us here that each Jew heard the crowd speaking in his language, the whole crowd. So let's just say, for example, you had somebody there that speaks Russian. The the person who spoke Russian heard the whole crowd of believers speaking to him in Russian. Let's say you had somebody there that spoke Spanish. That person heard the whole crowd speaking to him in Spanish. So it's not that Uh, that the believers were speaking all these different languages at once, the Bible says that each man, each individual heard the crowd speaking in his language. Well, they weren't speaking uh, all those languages simultaneously. This shows you it was a sign and a wonder what actually happened on that day. And I'll give you another sign too. Uh, The Bible says, and some of them were mocking. Verse 13, some of the people in the crowd mocked the believers and said, oh, they're just drunk. They're just drunk. Well, let me ask you a question. How is it, how is it that you would think if someone was speaking a foreign language supernaturally, no one's going to point at that person and say, well, they're just drunk. If I stood up and just started speaking Mandarin out of nowhere with no training in Mandarin, uh, no no visits to China. I mean, can you imagine? If I just stood up and started speaking Mandarin, no one's going to point at me and go, oh, he's just drunk. You know how it goes. When people start drinking, they just take up foreign languages and start fluently speaking them. No. What a stupid argument to say that the people on the day of Pentecost were speaking natural foreign languages. What the Bible actually says is that the men who were there heard them speaking in their language. That is not semantics, my friend, because if you look at this story, it's important that you catch this because you have to, as I said, you have to compare scripture with scripture. And there is no, get this now, there is no teaching, zero teaching in the Bible, zero teaching that speaking in tongues is some sort of a foreign human language. It is not in the Bible. You'll not find it. And people have read this one passage and inserted their own theology here, which the Bible does not say, nor does it teach anywhere else. First of all, 
This is not didactic teaching on speaking in tongues. This is narrative story. It's just a narrative. It's just telling you what happened on that day. It's not somebody sitting down breaking tongues down for you as Paul did later to the Corinthians. This is just, they're reading you the story of what happened on the day of Pentecost. And notice what the inspired word of God actually says. It says, and at the sound they were gathered together, and look at this, they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. What actually happened on that day? What happened was, the believers were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in their heavenly language, and God interpreted it for those that were listening for the purpose of evangelism. That was a sign and a wonder. That was a sign and a wonder. The, the believers were not speaking foreign languages. The crowd heard their native language, but the believers were speaking in a heavenly language. How can I prove that from scripture? Well, when you go to the actual didactic teaching on speaking in tongues, you can go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and listen to what Paul says about speaking in tongues. No Christian, uh, Christian Redding's asking, speaking tongues is a gift, right? Like prophecy. Not everyone has that gift. There is a gift of tongues and interpretation. But there is also a personal prayer language of speaking in tongues, a heavenly language. And I'll, in a moment, I'll get to the fact that you can do it at will. You don't have to wait for the Holy Spirit to prompt you as you would if you were speaking in tongues as your personal prayer language. I'll show you that from the scripture, Kristen, as well, and that's a great question. Listen to this. Paul teaches. Now, he is dealing in context with a church that's abounding in spiritual gifts and it's causing distraction in their church services. So he's about to give them instruction regarding their public assemblies and what should be done and what shouldn't be done. And so, but I want you to see this first. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2, the Bible says, and let's start with verse 1, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not unto men, but to God, for no one understands him. But he utters mysteries in the spirit. That verse right there, which is Paul's didactic teaching on speaking in tongues, should open your eyes to the answer of this question. Paul clearly states it for for those that are believers. He says, anybody who speaks in tongues does not speak unto men, but he is speaking unto God. So, That's not true if I'm speaking Mandarin. It's not true if I'm speaking Spanish. It's not true if I'm speaking Russian. In those cases, there would be men that I would be speaking unto. For they would be able to understand what I was saying and they would be able to clearly decipher what the the message was. But Paul said when someone speaks in tongues, they are not speaking unto men, but they're speaking unto God. For no one understands him. It doesn't say no one in the room. It says no one, no man 
understand. Why can no man understand it? Because it's a heavenly language. It's not an earthly known language. But he utters mysteries in the spirit. Mandarin is not mysteries in the spirit. Spanish is not mysteries in the spirit. Russian is not mysteries in the spirit. Praying in your heavenly language is you uttering mysteries in the spirit. So Paul wants to break this down so they know what's happening here. This is tongues. It's a person who speaks not unto men, but unto God. Same as on the day of Pentecost. They weren't speaking to those men. They were just filled with the Holy Spirit. They were praying in their heavenly language. But what did God do for those that were standing around listening? Because God's desire is that the souls of men and women be saved. He let them. He interpreted what was being said, what was being said to him. Notice this. The people who were speaking in tongues were not speaking unto men, but unto God. And God allowed those that were standing around to hear what was being said to him. God did the interpretation. It is the only explanation we can have for Acts chapter 2. According, if you're going to follow the scripture, it's the only one we can have. They don't speak unto men. They speak unto God. They utter mysteries in the spirit. No man understands him. So one of two things has to be true. I mean, catch this. Yes, Kristen, you can still be saved if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible just, I just went through that in, uh, in, in Acts chapter uh, 10 and Acts chapter 19 and Acts chapter 8. Look at this. <clears throat> the Bible says no one understands him when he speaks in tongues. So one of two things has to be true. Either in Acts chapter two, the Bible's lying and they weren't speaking in tongues because Paul said, if someone does speak in tongues, no one understands him for he's speaking to God, not to men. So either they weren't speaking in tongues for real in Acts chapter two, or what Paul taught is true, that they were speaking in tongues. No one understands them. So how did the people understand it? God worked a sign and a wonder and interpreted what was being said for the crowd that was standing around. Keep on going. On the other hand, verse 3, one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. So what's the difference between prophecy and speaking in tongues? The difference is in when you are engaging in prophecy, you're speaking the known language of wherever you are, but you are being inspired by God to prophesy to those listening in their known language. And so because Paul is teaching them in the context of a public assembly, notice this, he said this, the one who speaks, verse four, the one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds the church. Watch. Now I want you all to speak in tongues but even more to prophesy. For one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Keep in mind, he's he's instructing them regarding what should be done in a public assembly. Apparently, there were so many people jumping up and trying to give a word in tongues with no interpretation that nothing was getting done in the service. That it was just confusion and mass hysteria. He said, God's not a God of chaos. He's a God of order. So what is Paul telling them? He's saying, listen, if you're having your church services, your public assemblies, don't let 52 people jump up and start giving words in tongues and they'll have any interpretation. That's not helpful at all. 
Instead, desire to prophesy so that everybody can be built up. Everybody can be built up. And he said, I want you all to speak in tongues. Don't get me wrong. I want you all to speak in tongues. You know what that means? That means they could all speak in tongues. I want you all to do it, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Now listen to this. Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? Even if, if, if even lifeless instruments such as the flute or the harp do not give distinct tones, how will anyone know what's played? So he starts to go into this, why it's better for people to have something that can build them up spiritually. And so notice what he says. He says, um, therefore one, this is verse 13. Very, very important. Catch this, catch this. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. This is in a public assembly. This is in front of the group of people, God's people that have gathered in a service. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. Verse 15, so what am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you're saying. For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. Now watch verse, verse 18. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. He didn't say I speak in tongues and interpret more than all of you. He just said, I speak in tongues. I pray with my spirit and I pray with my understanding. So he said, I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in church, get this. Now he's, he's flipping this. Nevertheless, in church, when I'm in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Are you catching this? Paul is saying outside of the church, I speak in tongues more than all of you do. All of you. I speak in tongues all the time. I will pray with my spirit. I will pray with my understanding. I do both. That's what Paul's saying. I do both more than all of you do. But when I'm in church, see, and, and here's where people get it wrong. It's not wrong to speak in tongues in church, especially if you've got a body of believers there and the pastor says, now let's all begin to pray in our, our, our heavenly language, begin to pray, build up your most holy faith, begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. Not wrong, nothing wrong with that. But if somebody stands up and starts giving a word in tongues in a church service, and then there's no interpretation, it's better that he didn't give it. For it was just a distraction, no one was built up, and nobody was edified. If someone, this is what Paul's trying to teach, if someone gives a word in tongues in an assembly, he must pray that he would interpret, or somebody better have the interpretation, otherwise, stay silent. Otherwise, stay silent. And notice this, for all of the churches, by the way, that are trying to cut speaking in tongues out of their church for the sake of the visitors that are coming, listen to this. Tongues are not a sign for believers, but for unbelievers. You see that? While prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. So you see what I'm saying? Paul's, Paul's trying to give them 
instruction so that they can have orderly worship services. And you don't have 19 people jumping up and shouting out words in tongues with no interpretation. Everybody's confused as to what's going on. No, God's a God of order. So the question is, is speaking in tongues a heavenly language or is it a known earthly language that you're empowered to speak for the purpose of, of evangelism? It is a heavenly language. The Bible teaches clearly it is a heavenly language that you are praying unto God, not unto men. Unto God and not unto men. No question about it. The Bible says that their mind is unfruitful because no one knows what someone is saying when they're speaking in a heavenly language that is given to you by the Holy Ghost. So the next question obviously is when you're, when you're uh, asking this question, <coughs> excuse me, is when somebody prays or speaks in tongues, does there always have to be an interpretation? The answer is no. The answer is no. You don't always have to interpret every time you speak in tongues. There is, as Paul was just trying to tell them in, Acts, in, in 1 Corinthians 14, he said, listen, I pray in tongues more than all of you. I, and, he, and then he goes on to say this, I will pray in the spirit, which he's talking about praying in tongues in context, and I will pray with my understanding. I'll do both. I'll pray in tongues. I'll pray in, in whatever language that he was referring to for himself, whether that be Hebrew, Greek, Aramaic, whatever. I will speak with my understanding and I will pray in tongues. The same should be true for you and for me. You should pray in the spirit. You should pray with your known language. You should be doing both. And when you're praying in your heavenly language, you don't have to have an interpretation because you prayed in a heavenly language when you're speaking in tongues. What Paul's teaching in context is this. If you're in an assembly, let there be an interpretation so that nobody is left unfruitful after that manifestation of the Holy Ghost. God's always seeking to build, to encourage, to instruct, to comfort, to correct. But if you don't understand it, none of those things can, can take place. Exactly. And then you go on through, and Joel's bringing up the great, a great verse that we should always keep in front of our minds, the 39th verse of 1 Corinthians 14. My brothers earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. You should never forbid it. I don't care what. If you go to a church that does forbid you to speak in tongues, get out. Get out immediately and go somewhere where they value the Holy Ghost, where they value the power of God. Do not forbid speaking in tongues. Do not forbid it. We should love. Don't despise prophesying, Paul said to the Thessalonians. Don't despise don't quench the spirit, he told them. It's important that we understand these things. This is a lie. <laughs> I love the comments. This is a lie. I don't care if he's given you 45 minutes of scriptural proof. This is a lie. Probably the, the sign that the person's a nut job is that their first name is Maccabees. Anyway, um. <laughs> Yes, Alicia, I just covered that. I've heard foreigners say someone speaking tongues was speaking their native language, so sometimes it can be an earthly language. No, in those cases, you have to go by what the Bible teaches, not what people say. There may be people, I've had it, our own family has experienced that. One time when my grandfather was pastoring 
He used to take my uncles and my father to the YMCA every Saturday night um, to uh, swim in the pool, get their energy out. And he met a man from Greece there one Saturday night and, uh, and got talking to him and invited him to church the next morning. Said, I'm the pastor of a local church. We'd love to have you come as our guest. And so the man said, I'd be happy to come. Well, when he came that Sunday morning, a woman in the church stood up and began to give a word in tongues. And after she gave it, that man went down to the altar and gave his heart to the Lord. And after the service said to my grandfather, I would love to meet that woman um, in your church that's from Greece. And my grandfather said, we don't have any women in the church from Greece. He said, no, the one that stood up and started talking to me and told me, you know, where I was from and all, all everything about me and then said, you know, I need to be saved. He said, no, that lady's from here. She, she's never even been to Greece. And so what would that be? It's a sign and a wonder. It's different than tongues and interpretation. It's a sign and it's a wonder. I've seen those experiences too, but it's not what Paul's teaching about. It's different than that. It's a miracle. It's a sign and a wonder. You know, during the Azusa Street Revival, as Pentecost was hitting the shores of America, you know, they thought for a while that that was the case. That as you got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, that God was going to then just give you the ability to speak foreign languages by the Holy Ghost. They sent missionaries out to nations to preach the gospel that didn't even know the language, just thinking and believing, well, now that they're filled with the Holy Ghost, they're going to get to those shores and the, the power of the Holy Ghost is going to allow them to speak those languages for the purpose of evangelism and it wasn't working and they'd have to come home. Well, what's, what's the point? The point is it's not a foreign language. It's a heavenly language. It's a heavenly language. Can God do the interpretation? Yes, he can. Can he, can he perform a sign and a wonder? Let me ask you a question. Don't you believe that God could anoint me to speak to somebody in Russian? Of course he could, but that's not speaking in tongues. It's a sign and a wonder for the purpose of evangelism or whatever God wants to be accomplished at the moment. And so it's very important to distinguish between the two because Paul taught very clearly about speaking in tongues. And that's a great question, Alicia, because many people have the question, but they're different. They're not the same thing. They're two different things. Let me go on further. Um, so the question remains, um, if you speak in tongues, should there be an, always be an interpretation? No, there doesn't always have to be interpretation. As Paul taught, you can have a personal prayer language. You can speak in tongues. Paul, notice when he's teaching here, he didn't say when the spirit prompts me and when he comes upon me and when he begins to give me the utterance, then I speak in tongues more than you all. No, he just said it. He said, I will pray in the spirit. I will pray with my understanding. I will Pray in the spirit. It just means at will. I will do it. I, I will do it. Then he says, I pray in tongues more than all of you. Well, that means that he has the ability to just begin to speak in tongues. No, that's not true. Look at the teaching of Paul, Timothy. If you take tongues back to the original language, tongue is language. Yes, of course it's a language. It's the hev it's a heavenly language. I'm not saying that it's not a language. It's a heavenly language. And Paul taught specifically what it is. It's you speaking unto God, not unto men. No man understandeth him. That's what the Bible says. Go on further. Very important question. Um, 
Are there any, and I could even do probably a separate uh, video on this. Um, yeah, maybe I will. Let me, let me give you one more. Let me give you one more. There have been many who have said that the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the manifestations of the Holy Spirit have ceased today. They're called cessationists. They don't believe in divine healing today, miracles today, speaking in tongues today. Their belief is that those things were only there for the uh, establishing of the Christian church and the completion of canon, of scripture. Uh, But once those two things were completed, the church was established and the canon was completed, that those things were no longer needed. And so they ceased. And they used a scripture out of context from 1 Corinthians that, you know, tongues will cease and, you know, knowledge will cease, all these things. Obviously not the case. But they would say now, that if somebody is filled with the Holy Spirit and speaks in tongues, then uh, that's a deception from Satan. And some would go as far as to say that person is demon-possessed, that that person is demon-possessed. Well, let me just say to you that obviously uh, it was not just the original apostles that spoke with other tongues, but it was all the believers as we covered. It was every believer that uh, the apostles or any other Christian came into contact with, they were being filled with the Holy Ghost. And when you say, when you believe that it ceased when the last apostle died, well, that can't be the case because there were many, many believers baptized in the Holy Spirit that spoke with other tongues that weren't even apostles. They weren't apostles. So how did it cease? Are you telling me that when the last apostle died, which I think they believe is John. John being the last and the oldest uh, apostle to die after you know completing, uh, some people believe it was John that wrote the book of Revelation, the apostle John. And so when the, when the book of Revelation was completed, even if you believe in a late date of the writing of Revelation and he died as an old man uh, on the island of Patmos, that when he died, somehow God stripped the gift of tongues away from every believer that had already received it? Is that what we're supposed to believe? That after the last apostle died, all of the gifts ceased and all of it was stripped away from the thousands and thousands and thousands of believers that were already filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues. We're supposed to believe that. And that we we don't, you know, that it's not self-propagating in that you'd have believers that are doing the same work, as Jesus said, John 14, 12, laying their hands on the sick, watching them recover, seeing people filled with the Spirit, baptized in the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues. Do you realize we have early church fathers, going back to the early centuries, of the, right after the early church, we have early church fathers that in their writings are giving an account and witness of healing miracles, of people being baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, casting out demons. I mean, we, we, have, we have writings, extra biblical writings of the early church fathers that are saying, we're still seeing these things happen. We're still seeing them happen. 
Those are actual historical accounts from antiquity that we have in our hands today. They're, they were not by any means reporting that once the last apostle died, none of these things are being seen anymore. We do not see them. None of, none of the, the church fathers are not saying that. Go back and read their writings. Go back and read their writings. They're not saying, man, when John died, we quit seeing demons being cast out. We quit seeing healings. We quit seeing the power of the Holy Spirit. It's amazing. It's like just all at once the book was closed on all that. That's not what they write. It's not what they say. You go back and read it. It is not by any means what they're reporting. They're seeing it continue. The church fathers were seeing it continue. And it continues on to this day. Because if you read the scripture in context, tongues do not cease when the last apostle died. They will cease in heaven. There'll be no, no longer a need for tongues and interpretation. There'll no longer be a need for words of knowledge. There'll no longer be a need for the divine healing. We're in heaven. We're in the perfect presence of God. They will cease, but love will never cease, the Bible says. And that's because God is love. So you understand that what a crazy thought to say, well, you know, after the last apostle died, it just disappeared. God sucked it all dry from the earth and sucked it back to heaven. No. First of all, it's not what the early church experienced. Second of all, it's not what the early church fathers wrote was happening. And so today, it's still happening. Today, we're still seeing miracles, signs, and wonders. We're seeing them this week here in the revival. God's doing supernatural things. Two nights ago, a man's ear, almost completely deaf, instantly God opened it by the power of his spirit. He plugged up this, the other ear that was not deaf and was hearing perfectly out of an ear that used to be almost deaf and couldn't barely hear with his hearing aid in with the hearing aid out he was hearing. I mean, supernatural things. God is doing it by his spirit. These things have not ceased. These things are continuing, continuing, continuing. They're still the sign that Jesus is alive. They are still the proof that Christ is alive and he's the Messiah still to this day. Todd's asking, <clears throat> it's a good question. When people are speaking in the heavenly language of tongues, why are there differences in the way it sounds? Let me answer that question just by saying this, Todd. If you went to New York City and then you went to the bayou of Louisiana, you brought somebody that was from another country and you said, let me let you hear English. And you took them to Brooklyn and said, let me introduce you to some English speakers and got them hanging around people from Brooklyn. And then you traveled on a plane and said, now let me introduce you to some English speakers and took them to the bayou of Louisiana, went to New Orleans and said, now listen to these people speak English. And you would say, hold on. I thought the people from Brooklyn were speaking English. These people down here in, in Louisiana, this is a whole, this seems like a whole different English. They said, now let me take you to Georgia. Let me take you to Texas. Let me take you to Minnesota. And you let those people hear all of those different English language versions, if you will. They might say, well, that's not English. I heard English in Brooklyn. That's not English. I heard it in the Bayou of Louisiana. There's differences in language, just like there is in the natural, there is in the supernatural. I've heard people speaking in tongues. And it took on the form. 
And let me tell, let me go a step further than that. People can grow in the maturity of their supernatural language. You know, when you if you get saved and you've just been filled with the Holy Spirit, it's like when you get when you begin to learn to speak uh, as a ba- as a child. You know, and there might be a time that all you are able to say is dad, 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 mama, mama, mama. You know, uh, as my kids said, iPad, iPad. <laughs> There almost be a few things you can say, but as you get older, as you mature, your language should also mature. Same is true in the spirit. As you get older, the more you use what God's given you, the more fluent you should become in speaking in tongues. The more you should yield to the Holy Spirit, the more you should grow in those things. And so I've heard people that are just filled with the Holy Ghost, and it may sound like a very basic language. But then I've heard people that have been filled for many years, and it sounds like a fully developed language. And the thing is, it's a supernatural language. It's God's gift to his church. Um, maybe tomorrow, I'll, I'll, because one of the questions I had, and I don't have time to cover it all, but one of the questions I've got here, and by the way, let me just say that uh, a lot of these questions uh, are, are coming from uh, a book that's coming out and a series that I'm going to begin called the Spirit-Filled Believer's Guide. I don't, I don't know when it'll be out, but I'm going to be putting out a series of guides to things that people have lots of questions on. The first one will be on the Spirit-Filled Believer's Guide to Speaking in Tongues. I'm going to do the Spirit-Filled Believer's Guide to Tithing, to Divine Healing, to the Rapture. Uh, and we're going to just take these books, and they'll be smaller books, about five by seven, maybe 120, 140 pages, to explain and give you an answer regarding these questions. And so this, this is coming from the Spirit-Filled Believer's Guide uh, to Speaking in Tongues. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to releasing these because in my generation, thank you, Joel, in my generation, there are so few people that are still teaching doctrine to God's people. I can't believe how many Pentecostals and Charismatics do not understand Bible doctrines, the basics of Bible doctrines. Um you know, it's, it's really, really interesting that we should know the truth and the truth makes us free, but nobody wants to teach the truth. There's a lot of surface level teaching going around, but we need to understand the doctrines of scripture. If somebody asks you why you believe in speaking in tongues or why do you believe in divine healing? Why do you believe there's a rapture? If your answer is, well, because our church believes in it, that's not an answer. And Peter instructs us in first Peter chapter three, that we're supposed to be ready to give an answer to those that have questions regarding our faith and the hope that lies within us. So we're going to do our best to equip you. That's what Miracle Word University is all about. That's what these Spirit-Filled Believers Guides are going to be about. And uh, I'm looking forward to releasing them. Of course, the new book, Further Faster, is coming very soon. And then directly after that, I'm going to be uh, jumping into the Spirit-Filled Believers Guides as well as I'm going to be doing some fictional books for our Miracle Word kids and putting together little adventure stories for uh, the kids to have um, Christian fiction. There's like no good Christian fiction out there that I've found. So I'm just going to start writing some for the kids to have stuff that will build their faith but also tell them uh, a really good story at the same time. Thank you, Al. So I'm I'm looking forward to this. Any questions at all uh, before we go? Troy, to answer your question... um, the, the commanding angels broadcast. We were having issues with the internet yesterday, 
And uh, so we've pie- we've pieced it all together, and I recorded even an ending, a third part. Um, all of it, the whole teaching, is available on the podcast. It is up right now on the podcast. So if you'll go to any podcast outlet, Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Anchor, whatever, uh, you'll find it there, and you can listen to the entire teaching all at once there. And I'm sorry for the issues we had yesterday. Uh, seems like today was much better. I didn't see... Uh, much cutting off. Maybe you guys did. I didn't catch it, but thankfully the internet was much better today. But we're going to be back live again tonight, 7 p.m. right here, Shelby Township, Michigan, outside of Detroit at Lakeside Assembly of God. You don't want to miss these meetings. We got, what's today? Is today Tuesday? We got two nights of the conference left tonight, tomorrow for revival. Thursday, I'm going to Imlay City to speak to the men. Friday, I'm back here to speak to the young adults and the youth. And then Sunday, I'll be back in Imlay City at Gateway Assembly of God. So it's going to be phenomenal. It's going to be phenomenal. Caleb said, I grew up Pentecostal. Of course, I knew that. And speaking in tongues, but my wife, however, did not. She's Southern Baptist. And um, yes, I can understand that. This would be a broadcast that would definitely help her to understand the doctrine uh, of speaking in tongues. Ben said it's Taco Tuesday. That sounds good to me. I'm down with that. I love it. That's awesome, Kristen. She listens to the podcast on her walks. I love that. I love it. Yeah, Lenny and I was so happy. God's touching his people. Uh, It's supernatural what God's doing. Listen, I want to encourage you to take a minute and sow a seed into the kingdom of God. This is, let me tell you, what God's doing in revival around the world is supernatural. These are the greatest days that we've ever lived in. Right now, the path of the just increases daily. And so I want to I want to ask you if you would to pray right now and ask the Holy Spirit. I know many of you he's already speaking to you to sow a seed. I want you to hear from the Holy Spirit. Say, "Lord, tell me what it is I should do today. What should I sh- sow that's going to set me in position for the greatest harvests that I've ever seen?" You know what we've been confessing that 2020 is our year of violent increase and expedited favor. It's already happening. Many, many testimonies are coming in. It's supernatural what God's doing uh, for his people. So he'll do the same for you. But it's always unlocked by the sowing of a seed. God created the system of seed time and harvest. God created that system. And he's the one that upholds it. And God has a plan to bless you abundantly. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe that in 2020, God could bless you in such a way that your debts could be canceled? Do you believe that God would cancel student loan debt on your behalf? Do you believe that he'd cancel credit card debt on your behalf? See homes paid off, cars paid off, and give you more than enough? Imagine what that's going to feel like. When you're sitting in position with no debt to pay and you've got extra money in the bank to be a blessing to your generation and nothing's holding you back from being a pillar of generosity in the kingdom of God. Imagine what that's going to feel like where you don't have to sit around wondering how you're going to make it. Don't wonder how how are these bills going to get paid. But now you're thinking about how am I going to reach others? How am I going to bless those around me? It's going to feel good to walk in the overflow. It's going to feel wonderful to be in the excess. How do we get there? By sowing seed. Seed in our hand is God's weapon to bring us harvest. And I'm telling you, it doesn't matter what's happening in the world. doesn't matter what's happening in the stock market. doesn't matter what's happening with global banks. We're not on their system. 
I mean, literally, if God has to send ravens like he did for Elijah with rolls of $100 bills in their mouth for me, it was morsels of bread and meat for him. I'll take rolls of hundreds. Whatever has to be done, God will do it because he's a creator. He's a provider and he's going to provide for you. So let me encourage you. Let me encourage you. If you've not yet done so, I want to encourage you to partner with this ministry partner with this ministry. You can easily do that by going to miracleword.com. There's a partner button you can click and fill out the form and partner with us on a monthly basis. Many are partnering at $85 a month or more. Some 100, some 2, 300. We have some partnering at 500 a month. $1,000 a year, that's $85 a month. Is that something that the Lord's speaking to you to do? Is he speaking to you to stand with Carolyn and me as we're doing what God's called us to do. We've prayed and asked the Lord, said, God, send us at least a thousand people who would partner with us monthly as we travel to preach the word of God. In just the next few weeks, I'm getting ready to go to South Africa. When I come back, I'm going directly to Kingston, Jamaica, uh, and it just keeps on going. The doors keep opening, and uh, you're a part of that. As you sow, you are a part of that. You may never be able to go to these nations to preach the gospel. But when you sow, you go by sending the word of God through seeds being sown. You're sowing directly into soul winning. You're sowing directly into miracles, signs, wonders, deliverance. People are being changed. I can't wait to get to heaven and people come and find you, throw their arms around you and say, thank you because of your faithfulness. I'm in heaven today. That's going to happen. We're going to get to heaven and we don't even know who we affected in our lives by faithfulness, but people are going to come up to us and say, thank you. If it hadn't been for your faithfulness, I would not have heard the word and I wouldn't be here in heaven with you today. And those are going to be crowns we'll lay at Jesus' feet for the faithful obedience that we have in the kingdom. So let's pray. God's going to speak to you. And then I want you to do what he's telling you to do. Father, we ask you now in the mighty name of Jesus to speak to every man and woman watching the broadcast or listening to the podcast today, give them an instruction from heaven as to what you'd have them to do by your spirit. We thank you, Lord, that as they're faithful to do it, there are harvests coming to them, multiplied harvests by the power of God. Lord, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy. There's no one like you. There's no one that can provide like you do. We thank you for that, and we give you glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Joel. I appreciate that. You're very kind. We love you and your wife and appreciate all that you're doing for the Lord. Joel is in Manchester in the United Kingdom and uh, is, is just crushing it for the kingdom of God in a, in a place and a time where people are saying that revival fire could never catch fire. He's watching it happen and God's using him and using his wife in a powerful way uh, in, in England. It's amazing to see. I hope to come see you very soon, Joel. I love you guys and appreciate all you're doing for the kingdom as well. Those of you that want to sow a seed, you can easily go to miracleword.com. Uh, if you'd like to give by PayPal or Cash App or Venmo, you can do that as well. The information's on the screen for PayPal, Cash App, Venmo. The username is the exact same, at MWGive. And of course, you can always use hashtag donate in the comments if you're watching on Periscope or Facebook and um, very easy to sew. We appreciate you guys. We love you so much. Um, Carolyn may be with me this week. 
uh, on the broadcast one of these days or a couple of these days. But God keeps opening doors uh, for her as well. She's getting ready to speak. She doesn't want me to say it, I'm sure. She's cringing as I'm saying it. But God keeps opening doors for her, and Nonstop Mom is is doing so well. I think there's almost 2,000 women now that are part of that group and that are receiving teaching on a weekly basis and encouragement. And if you haven't gotten a chance to do it, I want to encourage you to go on Facebook to and just search Nonstop Mom. You'll find the Facebook page, and then there's a private Facebook group attached. That's where she goes live on Facebook. That's where, I mean, sometimes she just goes in there and drops a $100, $200 coffee gift card for you guys to just go get coffee on her. And uh, her desires to be a blessing to uh, the women of God. And so I want to encourage you to join. If you've not done that, it will be a blessing to you. Go to nonstopmom.net as well, and everything that's available uh, you can find there. And of course, let me say this for every person that sows, this month we're going to be sending you this powerful book by A.A. Allen, The Price of God's Miracle Working Power. Uh, this is a powerful revelation that changed his ministry brought him into signs, wonders, and miracles, and it's changed many lives after that. This book is phenomenal, and you definitely want to get a hold of that. And then, of course, Miracle Word Kids for March. We're going through the book of Proverbs, 31 days in March, 31 Proverbs. And if you've not gotten a chance to join up with us, go to MiracleWordKids.com and uh, download the resources for free. And uh, we're and join with us as we do it. The brand new course is available in Miracle Word University, Mountain Moving Faith. And it's five hours of teaching, just about five hours on faith. And uh, I deal with all of the pertinent subjects. How do we get faith? How do we maintain it? How do we build it? Are there roadblocks that can stop it? Um, what, what, what things will cause our faith to be functional. You don't want to miss it. And if you've never done anything in the school, this is the absolute best deal there is. You get all four courses we currently have 20 plus hours of teaching for only 199. That's a 28% discount. You get one course for free and, uh, you can even do it over a period of four months, $50 a month. It's 199. And this will bless you immensely. And so I want to encourage you to, um, to go and check it out at MiracleWordU.com. And of course, our brand new magazine is getting ready to be released. It's mailing in just about a week and a half. And uh, I want to get you a copy for the spring. The one you're looking at is our winter edition. The spring magazine is about to ship. And uh, it's going to be phenomenal. So if you've not gotten a chance to sign up, Go to MiracleWord.com forward slash live. Sign up today. If you've already signed up, please don't sign up again. We don't need a duplicate of your of your sign up. But this will, will allow you to get every edition that comes out every single quarter uh, that we release it. And uh, it will be a massive blessing to you. Listen, I want to hear from you by text. And so go to the link on the screen, MiracleWord.com forward slash text. Put your information in my phone book and let's stay connected via text message. Definitely want to hear from you. Want to get your prayer requests. We love you guys so much. Listen, don't miss tonight with us. 7 o'clock Eastern on Facebook. Uh, It's going to be phenomenal. Night three of the revival. I cannot wait. I cannot wait to see what God's going to do. It's going to be awesome. I love you guys very much and uh, I'll talk to you soon. Have a powerful day and uh, we'll see you again tonight live on Facebook. Be blessed. I love you.
Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.